So now we will be continuing with our Romans series. We have reached Romans chapter 9 verses 6 through 9. Where we will be dealing with not all Israel is the true Israel. So if you're able, please stand for the reading of God's word. Again, that's Romans chapter 9, verses 6 through 9. And it states, But it is not as though the word of God has failed, for not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel, and not all are children of Abraham, because they are his offspring, but through Isaac shall your offspring be named. This means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring. For this is what the promise said about this time next year, I will return and Sarah shall have a son. So let's pray to the Lord to consecrate this time. Dear precious Lord, we come before you in adoration in thanksgiving and worship in the reading of your scriptures. It is our lamp to our feet. It is what has guided us. And as your scripture says, as your son has says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. We are grateful, Lord, that we know what your commandments are because they are stated in your scriptures. Please, Lord, bless this time as we go through your scriptures as we delve into this issue of the children of the flesh and the children of the promise, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And may your will be done here in the lives of us all. For these things we pray in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. So as I was stating earlier, I have titled this, Not All Israel is the true Israel, as we see that it is stated in verse 6 of what we just read. As we were going through this chapter, if you recall when our pastor Gerardo was going through uh, the first five of this chapter, the first, first five verses of this chapter, he mentioned that Paul was worried that his statement I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart might be interpreted as if God's word, his promise regarding Israel had failed. The Jews were looking at Paul and saying, what do you mean? All these things that you're talking about of faith and of of by grace alone. What about us Israelites? What about those that have descended from Abraham? What's going on with us? Is the word of God failing? Because not all Israelites are saved. Not all Israelites are abiding by your commandments, by your word. So Paul must explain that the promise was never meant to be realized in the entire nation of Israel, but only in the true Israel. And we're going to see what true Israel is. This is going to delve into the children of the flesh 
and the children of the promise. And what you're going to see is that Paul and many other scriptures that we're going to cite continue to speak about two brothers, two sets of brothers. We're going to see Isaac and Ishmael, Jacob and Esau. And next week, our pastor is going to delve more into the issue of Jacob and Esau in the statement that God has says, Jacob, I have loved Esau, I have hated and what that means. But today we're going to focus on the children of the flesh and the children of the promise. But first of all, what is the promise? Verses seven and nine both speak of a promise. Verse 7 states, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named, which is cited from Genesis 21.12, as God was speaking to Abraham. And then also in verse 9, which is cited from Genesis 18.10, it says, For this is what the promise said, About this time next year I will return, that is God, He will return, and Sarah shall have a son. So we're seeing that it is exclusively through the line of Isaac that the promise is being stated. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 17, verse 19, where it pretty much sums it up from those two verses that we just read earlier. It states, God said, No, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son. And you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. So Isaac's unexpected birth, right? This is an unexpected birth because both Abraham and Sarah were a very old age. Sarah was really past the age where women at that time would give birth. If I'm not mistaken, she was, she was probably in her 80s. And Abraham was already in his 100 or so. That is an unexpected birth. Obviously today it would be even more unexpected. But today we are seeing uh, many more women give birth in their 40s. I think there's been even some in the early 50s. What was that? Janet Jackson? Janet Jackson, yeah. So this is... As we're seeing now, it's the, the age is growing again. But there was a time where it was really your teens and your 20s, and that was about it. And if you look back in history, probably 90% of the children that were born did not survive. The world that we live in now, the children are surviving. Women are having kids at an older age. But unfortunately in our world, there's also the destruction of the life in the womb and the destruction of life in general and so much murder, crime, and deceit that is going on in this world. But this unexpected birth where Sarah even laughed when she heard the promise. This is the significance that the people of God result not from mere natural generation. Okay? It's not just her children, all her children. It is a specific lineage. For, for Abraham also had kids 
He had one named Ishmael. That was his firstborn. And usually at that time, the firstborn is the one that inherits everything. But God said it's going to be through Isaac, the son, the child of promise, through your wife, your true and only true wife. Although he had concubines, unfortunately. That was the world that they lived in back then, that they had concubines and they had slave women. But the word of God says you have one spouse and you are a one flesh. And we're seeing that God, even with their disobedience, loved them and blessed them by giving them the child of promise. Genesis 26, 24 states, And the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham, your father. Fear not, for I am with you and will bless you and multiply your offspring for my servant Abraham's sake. Here God is speaking to Isaac and he's telling him, I'm going to bless you because of the promise that I made to Abraham. And it's going to be your offspring, not Ishmael's, not anybody else's. It's going to be your offspring. And God's promises never fail. As we've seen throughout redemptive history, this is backed up historically through archaeology. Through, Look it up. This is fact. The children of Israel, the fleshly line, ultimately dates back to Abraham and through the line of Isaac and then through the line of Jacob. Now, the children of the flesh. The Jews make an emphasis about their ethnicity, about their race, about who they are. They are the blessed people of God, right? The nation of Israel, where all the promises, where all the patriarchs came from, where all the the oracles of God were from and were given to. Verse 6 states all who are descended from Israel. And again, verse 8, the children of the flesh. See, Paul here is making that distinction. We're going to be speaking about the children of the flesh, those of the blood of Abraham. The problem is this, that they did not obey God in a general sense. There was some, and we're going to get to who those some were. But as a nation, they would apostatize over and over and over again. Read the Old Testament. Over and over again, they would disobey. And I want to make an emphasis on these two citations by Jesus in the book of Revelation. The last book of our scriptures, where he speaks about Jews that call themselves Jews but they're not Jews. Revelation 2.9 I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the blasphemy by those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. These people were calling themselves Jews. Yeah, they were rightly Jews through blood. But what happens? They were not true Jews. They did not follow the commandments of God. They persecuted the people of God, the apostles, 
All but one apostle was martyred. Think about that. Those that followed Jesus Christ, except for Judas, I'm going to put him to the side. All that followed Jesus, or Jesus appeared to them as, it, as happened with Paul, they were martyred for the spreading of the gospel, except for one. That's the apostle John. These were those that called themselves Jews. Revelation chapter 3 verse 9. Jesus again states it. Behold, I am giving up those of the synagogue of Satan. Those who say that they are Jews and are not but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your, before your feet. And make them know that I have loved you. Now, I know what's going on in the world today. I don't know if you guys have been up in the news, but there's been a lot of talk of anti-Semitism. So by no means take this, what I'm saying as, we need to hate the Jews. We need to be completely against them. I'm not saying that. So please don't take those words as uh, artillery to go against the nation of Israel. But what we need to show continually especially if we ever speak to Jews that are in Judaism. There's many Jews. Actually, the majority of Jews by blood are either atheists or Buddhists, believe it or not. I don't know if you knew that. But we need to speak to them and teach them. You guys think that you're the people of God because of your blood. Let me tell you what the scripture says. The true Israel are those of faith. And we're going to get to that. But let's go to Galatians chapter 4, verses 22 through 26 and 28 through 29. Here you're, seeing, you're going to see Paul make a distinction in terms of the covenants between those Jews that are just by blood and those Jews that are by faith. He states, For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through promise. Now this may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. That's the mother of Ishmael. Now, Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem. Notice how he says present Jerusalem. That's the physical Jerusalem that is standing there at that time. For she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem, Jerusalem above is free. And she is our mother. Verse 28. Now you brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. But just as at that time he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, so also it is now. So I don't know if you noticed that. The, those according to the flesh were persecuting those who were born according to the spirit. What is that tying? The children of the promise 
are born according to the Spirit. What is born according to the Spirit? That is regeneration. Those, those are that have the faith of Christ, the Holy Spirit in them, that is guiding them, as we've spoken about in the last two chapters. These covenants ultimately reside in the covenant of works and the covenant of grace. What is grace? Unmerited favor. We don't deserve the love of God because we continually spit in his face, spiritually speaking. We continually go against his commandments. Let's, let's use an easy one. Do not covet. Who hasn't coveted? Come on. That's, that's one of the hardest ones because that, that is, in a sense, from within. You see somebody with a nice car and you're like, man, I wish I had that car. You're coveting. Instead of saying, you know what? If we were not so sinful, oh, man, that's a nice car. You know, if I ever had money, I guess I would buy it if I, if I could. But instead in your mind, we've all done it. I know I've done it. We're like, man, I really want that car. I would do anything to get it. And that's just an example, obviously. We don't abide by God's laws. And when we fail, what are we called to do? What are we commanded to do? Ask God for forgiveness. Confess our sins. That's why we speak about in our, in our prayer, in the ACTS acronym, confession of sins. The C in ACTS, confession of our sins. We are called to confess our sins. That is what the people of God, the children of promise do. They confess their sins to God and God forgives them. Well, let's move on. We're going to be in John chapter 8, verses 31 through 44. This is a long one. I'm not going to go too much into it. But listen to the words of Jesus and to the words of the Jews that are arguing and debating with Jesus. Listen to what Jesus says. Think about it in your head. Where am I associated with? So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? See, already they're not understanding. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. What does practicing sin mean? It is not somebody who sins. It is somebody who practices. What do you do when you practice? You continually do it. And you, you live in it. Like you say, you live in sin. And let's be honest, when we were in that situation, we loved it. We loved it until the consequences came back and got us from behind, right? Verse 35. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham. Yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father. 
and you do what you have heard from your father. Notice that. He's not the same father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Again, they're still not understanding. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. So you see Jesus speaking these words to blood Israel, right? I'm going to call him blood Israel for right now. Those that are descended from Abraham through blood. And he's telling them, we don't have the same father. Your father seeks to kill me, doesn't want to abide by my word, does not abide in me. You will be cut off, as it says in uh, uh, John chapter 6. Actually, no, John chapter 9. Sorry, my bad. Where he's cutting off those that do not abide in him. So we know this, right? That not all Israel is Israel. You're seeing that right here, right? There's a distinction being made. Jesus himself, and Jesus, you know, he's portrayed always by the world as this kind of hippie looking dude, right? Who never says anything mean, never says anything wrong. This was offensive. This, by today's standards, is anti-Semitic. Yes, Jesus, physically speaking, was Jewish. So... If they want to claim that he's anti-Semitic, well, he was anti-Semitic against his own people. He's telling them, your father is the devil. Because if your father was my father, you would be doing what I say, what God says, the commandments. So you have to look at yourself internally. This is practically speaking, a principle Do you do what God commands? Because Jesus is telling them, and they're related by blood. We are not. We're Gentiles that have come in. Do we abide by God's word? That's why we talk about in the social media, spreading the gospel of, of the Lord, spreading his entire word. All this matters. 
Not just some, not just the red letters, not just what, what Paul said, not just the New Testament. Everything. We do, not, we do not unhitch the Old Testament here, as uh, Andy Stanley says. It's the entire word of God. So the children of the flesh are just in that flesh. It is by blood. They are still in the flesh. They are not in the spirit. You see in the words that are being used, right? Continually. There's something that we call biblical theology. And it sounds like it just means all studying the entire word, uh, the word of God. But actually what it really means is themes. Themes that are going throughout the scriptures. They use the same words over and over again. When you look at the, at the, the original languages, it's the same words over and over and over again. In the English language, we make distinctions sometimes depending on the context, but they actually use the same word over and over again. When they're talking about the congregations, the assembly, they use the word ecclesia. That means church. Over and over again. The, congreg- the ecclesia in the wilderness the ecclesia in, 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 of Mo, with Moses, the ecclesia here, the ecclesia there, there was the church back then. But I'm going to define what that means because there's different views. There are those that believe that the church, the current church from the last 2,000 years replaced the nation of Israel. That's called replacement theology. There are those that believed that the nation of Israel and the church are two separate things. So God worked with them a certain way and God works with the church a different way. That's called dispensationalism. And then there's the view that if you look throughout the, throughout the history, the church history, it is believed that the church has always been, it didn't replace the nation of Israel. It's always been within Israel, what we call the remnant, what we call the elect. The church has always been. It is the church of God, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. Read the songs of Solomon. It's an allegorical tale of the bride and our Lord. So the church has always been as a remnant, as the elect, are those that will not be cut off. But now let's speak about the children of promise. Verses 6 and verses 8, both Paul states, for not all belong to Israel, right? First he said, for not all of Israel belong to Israel. So here we're seeing a specific Israel that is not the other Israel. Verse eight, who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring. So we kind of touched on this when we were in chapter two and also in chapter four of Romans, but let's go to chapter two, verses 28 through 29. Here, Paul states, For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward, 
in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly. And circumcision is that which is of the heart. By the spirit, not by the letter. And his praise is not from men, but from God. So here you see Paul stating, look, if you were circumcised and you were a Jew outwardly by blood, that doesn't make you a true Jew. You could still be a true Jew if you have been circumcised of the heart. If you are one inwardly. That's why Jesus told them they call themselves Jews, but they're not. They're lying. Now, Romans chapter 4, 13 through 16. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, But where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith. In order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. You see here, it is through faith. Isn't that what we've been preaching? Since this church started, I, I know I wasn't here when the church first started, but just knowing from what my, uh, my cousin, our brother Eric told me, preaching by grace through faith in this church from the beginning. Is that correct? That is correct. That's what we teach here. This is what the scriptures state. This is what Paul states. Works, okay, you, you working for your salvation, what does that bring? The law brings wrath. Why? Because you can't do it. Let's examine ourselves. Since we woke up this morning to now, we've, we've sinned somehow, some way. Oh, somebody cut us off. I always like to use that one, right? Because it happens all the time. Somebody's just driving too slow. Oh, you know? That's just one of them. I know there's more, right? We can't do it on our own. Jesus did it for us. And through faith in Christ, we attain salvation. And then Paul is telling us that a true Jew is one who has the faith of Abraham. What is that faith? For Abraham, it was the faith that his offspring would deliver Israel from their sins. It was coming. That's what we call the Messiah. Who is the Messiah? Jesus Christ. We have the same faith. Just looking at it differently. If Jesus Christ is right here, well, for you guys, it would be Abraham is looking at it this way and we're looking at it this way. We're looking back. Abraham was looking forward. You see the difference? Let's go to Romans chapter 9, 
Verse 27. So later on in, these, in this sermon series, we're going to touch on this again. But this is, this is just a beautiful verse. And Isaiah cries out concerning Israel. Though the number of the sons of Israel be like the sand of the sea, it is the remnant that will be saved. You're seeing the distinction here. Not all Israel is going to be saved. The remnant is going to be saved. That, in the Old Testament, my friends, is the church. What does church mean? What does ecclesia mean? Called out ones. The congregation, the assembly of God. Paul, again, in Galatians chapter 3, verse 29. If you are Christ, listen to that. If you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. What more do you guys need to hear? What more do you need to read? We are the children of promise. We've been grafted in because we're not Jews by blood. We have been grafted into the true Israel, the true bride of Christ. This is beautiful because God has been working since the beginning of time. And those Jews that were looking at this and saying, but you're saying God's word has failed because look at all these Israelites that are not saved. That's what you're saying. They're not saved because they don't have, they don't have belief in Christ. They don't acknowledge Christ as God and as their savior. And Paul's telling them they were never true Jews to begin with. The true Jews have the faith of Abraham and they are heirs according to the promise the promise that was given to Abraham 6,000 years ago or so. Something like that. So Paul is making this distinction as we go forth in this chapter, continually teaching that God saves a remnant, his elect, his people out of the nation of Israel out of the world and that is by his choice by his grace because we do not deserve it and that's why the chapter 9 is so controversial because it delves into the whole point of that God chooses his elect so what is our application for daily practice I like to Finish it off with applying these principles and all this to the way we live. Because we live by the word of God. We don't live by our own inventions and our own theories. Although, although sometimes they, they get involved. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I think a certain way and then I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm thinking wrong. Or my wife shows me that yeah, I'm incorrect. We are to live by the word of God. First application, God's word never fails. As verse 6 we read, but it is not as though the word of God has failed. Paul is showing us, showing us and showing them. God's word does not fail. He said that they're going to be saved. The offspring is going to be saved. This is the promise. He's doing it. 
He's still doing it today. God's word does not fail. God's word, what comes out of his mouth, where is it written down? Right here. His instruments, the men that wrote these words were inspired and directed by God. As 2 Timothy 3.16 says. So we must not forget that. God's word never fails. When we are in doubt, when we have anxiety, when we don't know, uncertainty. That's the one that gets me all the time. Uncertainty. When I don't know what's going to happen next. I need to trust in the word of God. And ultimately, because it can get tough. Ultimately, where do we always go to? Especially as this church, we've been talking about it a lot. Romans 8.28, right? Don't we always go to that? For God works all things to those who love God, those who have been called according to his purpose. That's ultimate. Even the wrongs and the bad things that happen to us or that we do sometimes, they will all ultimately work out for good because God works everything for good. His scriptures continually teach it. He punished Israel multiple times. They looked at it as, oh my goodness, this is horrible. How, how could God do this? And God's saying, I'm doing this to refine you, to teach you so that you will love me. Point number two. By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. I'm going to do it backwards. We are saved in Christ alone because only a perfect sacrifice can suffice the wrath of God. We are not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, any long shot. Only Christ is perfect. So when he died on the cross, he took what we deserved. Now that we deserved. And to his children of promise, he said, I will take that wrath for you. And that is through faith alone. Again, we talk about the faith of Abraham. This faith that is gifted to you. Because again, we do not believe that we are saved by works. So if faith is a work, it can't be. It has to be something that is given to us. That does not come from within, but comes from above. And it is by grace alone. All this is possible because God has shown us favor. And it's undeserving favor. If it wasn't for God's grace, he wouldn't give us faith and send his son to die on the cross for us. If he gave us what we deserved, if he gave us justice, we would be feeling or would eventually feel the wrath of God. Do you see the implication there? Why we are so thankful to our Lord. There's many analogies out there to show it, but I continually state, if you're on death row, 
There's nothing that could save you. It's already, the guillotine is going to come and cut off your head as, as there's some uh, pictures of that. And Christ came and said, I will take your place. Because I have shown you favor. I have given you faith. You are the child of promise. And as later on in the book of Romans will state, you were elected from before the foundation of the world, as is also stated in Ephesians chapter 1. Last application. We continually talk about the children of the flesh, children of the promise. But what does the scriptures teach us? That the true Israel are those that are saved from every nation, not just Israel. My parents, my, my mom came from Guatemala. My dad came from Colombia, came to this country. Many of us here uh, either came or have parents that came from other countries. Look, look, we're a family. We're a spiritual family that loves God together and worships him. It's being fulfilled right now. Let's look at two scriptures. Revelation chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each one having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you, that is Jesus, to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and purchased for God with your blood, people from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You see that? It is an exclusive club, but it is exclusive from everywhere. Not just by some country, some people, some tribe, or some language. As there are some people that believe, oh, the United States is the, the, the blessed nation that uh, everything is, is, is uh, that God is blessing and doing all this and doing all that. No, all the nations in some form or another are getting blessed and are also getting judged. And we're, we're getting both, let me tell you. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 and 10, once again. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could count from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches were in their hands. And they cry out with a loud voice saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. What a beautiful picture there. Clothed in white robes. What have we seen that before? God gives us Jesus' garments that are perfect and takes our filthy rags and gets rid of them. That's why we're clothed in white robes. And the palm branches, what does that remind us of? Palm Sunday. They were throwing the branches. What were they stating? Hosanna. Our king who's riding on a donkey. 
that's what is being pictured here. And this is from everywhere. As we attest here that we're people from different languages and different countries and different tongues and different nations and tribes and all sorts. And we come together to worship the Lord together. Let's bless our Lord for that. For he is a precious God who comes and personally loves us and gives us undeserved favor and took the wrath for us. Let's pray. Father God, we see your scriptures continually teach us that what we deserve is death. Just like Jesus was speaking to those that do not do what Jesus says. And he says, you are of, the fa- of your father, the devil. We were at one point doing what our father's desires were, which was sin and sin continually. But you have rescued us. You have loved us. And you sent your son to die on the cross for our sins. We could never repay such things. But thanks be to you, Lord, that you have given us your Holy Spirit to abide in you and to love you and do what you say. Obey your commandments. May you be glorified. May you be exalted. May our adoration reach the heavens and cry out, Hosanna in the highest. Our King has redeemed us. Bless this time, Lord, as we will now go forth into the Lord's Supper to give you praise, to memorialize what you've done, and to be spiritually nourished by your grace. For these things we pray in the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.